one, we're gonna lift the lights so you can connect with the people around you. to the rest of what God wants to do in this service. We're going to continue to sing and worship. But before we do, I want to highlight a few great opportunities for all of us to connect even beyond what happens on Sunday. First of all, Neighbors and Nations is the way we express our vision. That's why we exist, to serve our community and to serve the world. In this lobby to my right today, there is information on how you can partner in the fight against human trafficking right in our own community. Lloyd Detta Kent, a wonderful lady who's a member of this church. She's involved in that ministry, and I would love for you to get to know more about it. Pray for that ministry and see how you might partner with them. As you go around the back of our building, there's a great display from the ministry called China Call. It's led by Kevin and Karen Harden, who are sitting right here. And won't you stand up? Let us give you a great welcome today. They do extraordinary work in China. On February the 9th, they're having a banquet. You can get more information about that. But we're so grateful for you, for your leadership. Go around and get the information and just see the ministries that they are doing and how the gospel is working through this choice couple and their family. We encourage you to be aware of a couple things in your bulletin. First of all, we are excited about the opportunities for all of the young people to go on the spring retreat it is one of the exciting ministries of the year. It is supercharged spiritually, and then it's a load of fun. And so please note the information that's in your bulletin and get involved, please. Secondly, if you're new to the church, in front of you is a blue card. If you'll take just a moment and fill that blue card out, this will allow us to connect with you. And the way that we bring people along in understanding the vision, the purpose of the church, how we can serve together. We call it growth track. We talk to you about personal spiritual growth, the way the church helps you with that. We talk about how we can serve the community and the world. We help you discover the talent God has given you so that you can use that to make a difference. And each of us working together, what we can do as a family, as a church. So if you're interested, next week, growth track will start. We'd love to have you involved in that. It starts at nine o'clock next Sunday morning, a great way to start the month of February. As the ushers come today, here's what I want to do. I want to invite you to stand with me. These buckets are going to pass down each aisle. Many of you give money, and the way you bring your tithe is to bring it into this service. Many of you use one of the tools of online giving, and that is a real growing area of our church life, and I'm thankful that you take advantage of it. It's very safe. It's very efficient. But I never want us to forget that giving is worship. Can you say amen? 
regardless of how, what vehicle of giving you use, it is worship. And so I just wanted us to stand today and from the moment we start passing these buckets, we're going to be singing because we readily identify when we begin to sing as worship. But I want you to know when that bucket comes by, it's worship. And that we're just going to honor the Lord with all that we are. He's been so good to us. And so I want us to pray and ask God to just bless this time as we worship. Lord, worship is first and foremost giving ourselves to you. It's not just one compartment of life, one area of life. It's giving ourselves. And we just thank you for being a Savior and a Lord, for being out in front, for being the one who provides, the one who knows what we need, the one who's answering our questions even while we're asking them. You're just so awesome. We pause right now to tell you that we love you. We honor you. We thank you for life and for everything that you've given us. So as many have already given online, as many give in this room, we do so to honor and worship you. Bless it, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.
this morning we sing we trust. Shake it. We will not be shaken.
But the power of your grace is that we can be free. And I pray that freedom would dominate every heart in life. The freedom of Christ. The freedom of your grace. The freedom that comes through your word. Lord, any addiction, we would call it a stronghold, anything that's heavy-handed in the heart and the thoughts of someone in this room, just may it be lifted. May they be released in Jesus' name. God, this could be a turning point for so many people. They could find the power in you to put a stop to those things that are destructive. No more fear. Nothing, Lord, that would hinder or distract us in our passion, in our walk with you. We just thank you today for that kind of grace in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Come on, let's celebrate that kind of power that is in Jesus Christ. As you're seated, we're saying today about making a decision and that we have fixed that in our heart, that we will follow Jesus. In that grace and in that power, we find freedom. That freedom grows and expands. We all know what it's like if we start opening our thoughts to allow things to just stay there and be nurtured and and they're destructive. They will lead us down a path that we know will be harmful. And the damage can happen. And we, we talked about that damage last week. We talked about that path. But I told you that this week we would focus on a life that is true and the power to stay true. If you've ever wanted to see what it takes to be faithful, if you're interested in a life of strength and a life that would gain even more strength, if you want to be standing strong next week and next year and the next 10 years, Dial into this message because the book of Daniel is going to give us the plan today. If we can apply what we see today, we will truly be the kind of people that Jesus needs to influence culture. If you come to church very long, you're going to hear things like this. Don't let the world influence you. You influence the world. You will hear things like, don't let the culture change you into its image or its concept or its mold. You be the change agent. But how often do we really see light that is influencing the darkness? How often do we see salt, like in that metaphor of making people aware or thirsty for the kind of life that Christianity provides? When you look at the life of Daniel, he had this distinct influence that made kings want to know about his God. Four pagan kings over many years that he served, and there were two occasions where even the nation came under the influence of revival because of the kind of life that Daniel was living. If you have your Bibles today, I want to invite you back to chapter 1. I want to take the time to read this chapter. And then we're going to see, once again, the challenge and the plan to live this way. 
During the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave him victory over King Jehoiakim of Judah and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. So Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylonia and placed them in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, the chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. Select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men, he said. Make sure that they are well-versed in every branch of learning, are gifted with knowledge and good judgment, and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Train these young men in the language and the literature of Babylon. The king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens. They were to be trained for three years, and then they would enter the royal service. Now watch, he goes to work on their identity. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were four of the young men chosen, all from the tribe of Judah. The chief of staff renamed them with these Babylonian names. Daniel was called Belteshazzar. Hananiah was called Shadrach. Mishael was called Meshach. Azariah was called Abednego. But Daniel was, and notice this next word, determined. It's going to be critical in this message. Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to him by the king. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat the unacceptable food. Now God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel. That's critical to see. But he responded, I'm afraid of my Lord and King who has ordered that you eat this food and wine. If you become pale, thin, and compared to the other young uh, youths your age, I'm afraid the king will have, my, uh, will have me beheaded. Daniel spoke with the attendant who had been appointed by the chief of staff to look after Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Please test us for 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water, Daniel said. And at the end of the 10 days, see how we look compared to the other young men who are eating the king's food. Then make your decision in light of what you see. The attendant agreed to Daniel's suggestion, and he tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, Daniel and his three friends, they looked healthier and better nourished than the young men who had been eating the food aside by the king. So after that, the attendant fed them only vegetables instead of the food and wine provided for the others. God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. And God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meanings of visions and dreams. When the training period, which was three years, ordered by the king was completed, the chief of staff brought all these young men to King Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and no one impressed him as much as Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the royal service. Whenever the king consulted them in any matter requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them ten times more capable. That's where this series comes from. Ten times more capable than any of the magicians and enchanters in his entire kingdom. Daniel remained in the royal service until the first year of the reign of King Cyrus. Would you pray with me? Lord, we have read your word. Now, will you take this word and challenge us today? 
You know every man, woman, young man, young woman in this room. You know them, Lord. You know their story. You know where they are, what they need. You know us. Speak to us today. Cause our attention to be fixed into this word. Lord, we don't want to waste this time. Help this to be meaningful, powerful, and life-changing. In Jesus' name. And everybody said Let me show you a screen that gives you the meaning of their names and what they were going to be changed to. Daniel meant God is first. They were going to go in this attack on their identity, which was the first step in disconnecting them from God to then unseat God from their heart to transform them into cultural Babylonians. So he was going to change the authority structure, try to get Daniel to bring an allegiance to someone other than God Jehovah. Hanani means grace, which changed to Shadrach, which means fearful. It means paranoia, uncertainty. Because when you change your allegiance to anything but God, you're left with this skepticism. Now, in deception, you won't realize that. In the deception of the enemy, it will look like it'll be fixed and great and awesome and full and complete. But in fact, it's very fragile and very uncertain and leads to paranoia. Mishael means God has no comparison. It speaks of the greatness of God, and they were changing that to Meshach, which means condemned, because when you change your allegiance, you start compromising, you shift the boundaries, you live in paranoia, and that's where the condemnation sets in. Another word would be humiliation or guilt. Ultimately, it leads to following the wisdom of the world. Azariah means God is my wisdom, but that gets unseated, and now we have a new value system. And in this name change is the fourfold plan of the enemy of your soul and mine to draw us away from God, away from godly values, to see us subtly and over time squeezed into the image of culture and to have our value system that was once built by biblical values replaced by cultural values. This path of this identity change, it leads to slavery. I talked about it last week, and if you weren't here, I encourage you to watch that message. I think it's very important. But today I want to talk to you about how to be strong and stay strong. You can love Jesus and stay in love with Jesus. You do not have to turn your back. You do not have to fall away. You do not have to lose your first love. You don't have to lose your passion for God. You don't have to lose your passion to worship. You can. You will be tempted to dilute your passion. But I'm telling you, there is a plan in this passage where a week from now or a year from now, you can be more on fire for Jesus than you are right now. And I think that's the way it ought to be. So let's take a look at it. Let's look at the meaning of these names. Let's go to the next slide if we can. Daniel means God is first. So that means he's in submission to the lordship, and we would say it like this, the lordship of Jesus Christ. Hananiah means grace, and as you grow in grace, you grow in freedom. Then we see the next name, Mishael, means God has no comparison. It speaks of the greatness of God, and as you grow in your concept of the greatness of God, you grow in the power of God. It goes with it. And finally, Azariah means God is my wisdom. When you grow in the wisdom of God, 
then that is the guidance system of your life. And do you see here the fourfold plan of getting stronger, of spiritual progress, of great momentum? I'm in submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I'm growing in grace. I am submitting my life to the Lord. It is His power and greatness that are so just influencing my thoughts and my heart. And He is directing my path. And so I'm being changed. Paul said it like this, from victory to victory. Instead of defeat, defeat, and some victory, and a victory, and defeat, defeat, it's victory to victory. Does it mean we're perfect? No. It means we're on a path that is going to be a progressive work of sanctification in our lives. When it comes to lordship, let me give us a way to think about it. Think about a a company that has a board of directors, and there's a chairman of the board, and that chairman has a distinct position. There's authority structure that rests with the chairman that's unique to the other members. When you give your life to Jesus, Jesus becomes the chairman of the board of your life. Amen? Think of your heart, and it's like a boardroom, and there's a conference table, and it's meeting time. When it comes to the board meeting of your life, Jesus is the chairman, and there's no one else around the table because he's everything. He is it. He is the Lord. He is in control. Now, uh, let me give you another way to think about it. He's the boss. He's the authority. A couple of weeks ago when we had the activity for all the kids after we'd given away the Bibles, our indoor playground was open and the kids were going up to the top of the the play structure and sliding down. It's really amazing. I would encourage all of you adults to do that. It is a lot of fun. Watching all the kids go up, I decided I would go with them. So I'm going up to the top, coming down. One time I got to the top level and there were so many kids on the very top level, that there was an issue about who was going to slide first. And this little girl said, everybody listen, I'm the boss here. (laughs) And then her little sister says, you're not the boss, I'm the boss. And big sister says, no, you're the boss of all these people, I'm the boss of you, which makes me the boss of them. (laughs) And she goes, I decide who's gonna slide first, and that will be me. She said, I'm the boss. Here's the deal. When I get saved, I no longer lead my life. This is so important in our culture. I don't know how it would rest in just every culture, but I can tell you in America, we are just informed by culture to be self-made and self-led. And when you submit your heart to Jesus Christ because you realize you're desperate for him, and that there's no life or purpose or significance apart from him, then you offer yourself like as a a living sacrifice. You submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ. That means he's the leader now. That means he's the boss. That means I have decided to follow Jesus. I'm follower, he is leader. In the American culture, we put a lot of emphasis on leadership development. God even puts in some the gift of leadership. But no, it's always servant leadership. If we put the wrong emphasis on leadership, we will unseat God and we'll try to lead our own lives. And in salvation, we are forgiven of our sins and now we've got a future and a hope. 
where God's going to use us and prosper us. But that happens as we recognize he's the chairman. He's the boss. He's the leader. He's the Lord. If you believe it, give the Lord a clap offering of praise. I pray that you would have that in your heart. Now, lordship is connected with growing in grace. Growing in grace. I found this interesting. Growing in grace. We're saved by grace, but then we can grow in this understanding of the love of God to us. And what it leads to is freedom. Greater freedom. Is there an area in your life where you would like more freedom? There's just a factor that's trying to bring control that's negative, harmful, destructive. As we grow in grace, we grow in freedom. As we grow in grace, it keeps lordship from becoming legalism. If I submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ, I don't want to become rigid and angry. I want to grow in grace so that lordship leads to freedom and compassion. I don't want to grow to the point where I'm angry with culture. I want to submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ, grow in grace, where like Daniel, I can live in such a distinct way that I gain the respect of culture. It says that the chief of staff had respect for Daniel. He didn't capitulate his values. God was Lord, the authority, and yet there was such a grace to his life that without changing his values, he earned the respect of someone who was called pagan. I want to grow in that grace. Growing in grace means as I start my journey with Jesus, he makes me faithful over a few things. And as I grow in grace, he makes me faithful over many things. It's an increase of responsibility as freedom, as maturity occurs. It's where I'm working out my salvation. It's where I'm submitting myself to the Lord through his word. Now connect that to Mishael, which means the greatness of God, where Isaiah said God is incomprehensible and has no comparison. If we really get the idea of him being Lord God and we grow in grace, the thoughts of the greatness of God, they expand in our thinking. And it is impossible to grow in your concept of the greatness of God and then not want to yield to the wisdom of God. What culture wants to do is to make us self-led to where we add God in on Sunday. Hey, we're, we're in the boardroom and this is where the, the Lord has a seat around the table. But he wants to be the dominant influence in our heart. He wants to be the Lord who's set apart as, as the leader right in that very center of who we are. So that when we wake up in the day and we start the day, we don't worry about how great the challenges are around us, how great the problems are. But we have a meditation on the greatness of God. This is essential. Have you ever considered disciplining your mind to meditate on the greatness of God as a way to empower your lordship to grow in grace and give you a quick surrender to the wisdom because it's in the wisdom of God that I can get a lead 
on dealing with social issues, marital issues, political issues, personal issues. It is the Word of God that gives me the wisdom of God, and I'm in surrender to the way of God so that I don't get caught up in confusion when culture tries to redefine marriage, when culture tries to change the definition of sin, when culture tries to undermine foundational principles and truths of God. I'm not, I'm not pulled away or blown away by the wind of contemporary thinking because I'm following the wisdom of God, not in some rigid legalistic way. No, I'm growing in grace. I'm growing in my concept of an awesome God. And I find it like enjoyable. I'm ready, I'm poised to walk in step with the Lord. Isaiah not only said he has no comparison, but Isaiah was, found himself in a time of uncertainty because the king had died, King Uzziah. The Bible says that Isaiah entered the temple on the Lord's day. And he lifted up his eyes and it says that the very glory of God filled that temple. And Isaiah got a vision of the greatness of God and on either side of the throne of God were these angelic beings. And those angelic beings, their names mean fiery ones. Like they were literally on fire in worship to the glory of God. Burning ones. And these angelic hosts, they pulled on the leash of language to declare worship. And the one word that came out was the word holy. Holy. Holy is the Lord God of hosts. For the whole whole earth is full of his glory. God wants a people that will awaken to righteousness. That will love righteousness. That will consider his glory on a daily basis, will be consumed by the greatness of God and then grow in grace, submit to his lordship, and then the leadings in the life of God's people will be the leadings of the Holy Spirit, which is the wisdom of God, and will grow stronger, will grow more effective, will live in influence, blessing, and favor. I want to give you a word that this all hinges on, okay? Here's the word. It's the word determined. Chapter 1 says that Daniel determined in his heart. The journey I've just described, it can't happen without desire. If you do agree that we don't have to lose our first love, that we can be stronger a week from now, a year from now, then we also agree that it will not happen apart from a desire for God. Out of my desire comes my determination. If I desire to be physically healthy, then I will determine a certain schedule and discipline myself to that schedule. If I desire to be a certain place financially, then I get determined and I discipline myself to a budget and I work that plan. Every strong person, every great idea that's manifested in something highly influential, it all goes back to desire that fed determination. You and I can't strengthen ourselves spiritually. God's got to do that. But we've got to meet His power with our determination. God is looking for a people whose hearts 
are set on him. Where there's still a desire for God. Where we're not just making God one of the board members. And I've got the person. We, matter of fact, we put Jesus over the spiritual life committee of our lives. And we've got the activity committee. And we have the work committee and the family committee. And Jesus is just one among many. Jesus died and rose again to save us and to be the Lord. To be the leader of our lives. And may we have a desire for him. A passion for him. Consider someone in your mind right now that walks with Jesus. That has a strength about them and a vitality. And see how they have a determination in their heart. Daniel was determined. And the very next line says, And God put it in the chief of staff of King Nebuchadnezzar to have a respect and an affection toward Daniel. When you and I will walk this journey of spiritual growth because we're determined... God is our desire. The favor of God will be on your life. And it doesn't remove you from challenge. It didn't remove Daniel from challenge. It moved him right into the epicenter of greatest influence. To where today, though there were seven kings in Babylon, we hardly know the names of them. But we still talk about Daniel. In Daniel chapter 11, verse 32, Daniel said, those who know God, those who know him, not just about him, but those who really know him, they will be strong and they will do great exploits. But Daniel chapter 11, Daniel's in his 90s. And though the outward man was perishing because he was very near death, the inward man was getting stronger day by day. And though there were physical challenges by the time he got in his 90s, there was still this resolve in his spirit. And if he could walk out here today, he would still say, those who know God, those who have a determination to make Christ the center, those who have a desire to grow in grace, we've been saved. Let's let's swim deep in the river of grace and discover more and more about God. Daniel would say do you ever just look up at the sky and marvel at the greatness of God with breath coursing through your lungs and blood flowing through hundreds of miles of veins and your brain firing where you can have cognitive understanding just the the magnificence of the creation of Oh, the wonder of God. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Every square inch of broken arrow, every square inch of this Tulsa region, this entire state, this nation, this this entire world, it's all God's. And with a word, he spoke it into existence. He's a great and a mighty God. Do we wake up? Consider his greatness. There's this stirring in my heart. Sin leads us to nurturing an appetite for more of sin, and yet it can't satisfy. God.
God wants his church to awaken to righteousness until we love righteousness. We nurture such a heart for God that we love doing the right thing. We love it. David said, and it it challenges me to this day. He said, my flesh and my soul cry out to you, O God. It's like at times my spirit, it wants more of the Lord, but my flesh wants anything but the Lord to bring myself into full submission to God. Awaken to righteousness. Love righteousness. Sow the seeds of righteousness and walk into the harvest of influence, blessing, and favor. God moving you to the epicenter of where your story can be read of men and by reading your story, they see Christ and His grace. Are you determined? Would you pray with me right now? Stir a holy determination in our hearts, oh God. Turn us to you. Turn us completely, fully holy to you, Lord. Right now we know that there's a lot hanging in the balance in a decision time like this. With your eyes closed, know this. The right response to this word creates a legacy that is so influential. It creates a life that really makes God famous within your home, within your routine. This is where Christianity comes alive. When you make a strong determination in your heart, it is met with the favor of God, and you get on the adventure that God has for you, and you'll find that Christianity, it's anything but boring. Man, it's cutting edge. But this is the kind of heart that God has to have. God will empower you to learn. God will empower you to perfect the skill set he's given you. All which will come together where he can place you and entrust you with the redemption story. If you'll just determine in your heart. Lord Jesus, we look back at our love for you because out of that will become, will come our desire and our determination. We give ourselves to you. We give ourselves to you. With your eyes closed, I'm going to ask Susie to lead us in this part of the song. It says, I have decided. There's the essence of what I'm talking about. That's the determination. And if you and I make that choice, it's like it opens up the resources of the Holy Spirit to then go to work in our thoughts in our character, in our skill set, our gifts, our steps. And it all comes together to being a life led of the Holy Spirit. As you sing this, it's submission to His Lordship. It's growing in grace. It's considering His greatness. It's saying, Lord, You are the leader. Your word's the authority. I will walk in Your wisdom. That's what's captured in this. You ready? If as we sing this, you're saying, I'm determined. Maybe you could take an action step by, as we sing, just standing and saying, I'm determined to follow Jesus. God, you're going to do a special thing in this place. This is about to happen in a way that is strategic. It's going to touch our souls and it's going to change our lives. And we give you the thanks for it in Jesus' name. 
And everybody said, amen. Let's declare it together. Sing it if you mean it. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. That's powerful. What a declaration. I have decided to follow Jesus. Wow, what a what a collective response. Come on, sing that with all of your heart. I have decided. Come on, lift the roof off of this building. Come on, church. We're surrendered to the Lordship. myself this is where we get to be the church we want to help you we want to stand with you no one can be a Daniel in a Nebuchadnezzar world by themselves we need each other and if you are up against an unusual challenge and you want support if you're trying to start over start a new pattern and yet your past because of what you've done it's profound it's got a grip on you and you need freedom and you want someone to partner with you in prayer and to support you in that and as we sing this Christ is enough I want you to find the nearest aisle and come and we're going to believe God to do something that is a turning point in your life God's going to change you today you're not here by accident God has you here hear this today this is the Lord speaking to you it's his love It's His mercy. It's the drawing of the Holy Spirit. If you'll draw near to Him, He'll draw near to you. You ready? I want to start on I have decided. That's your only part in the whole equation. Just desire. And then God will bring the power. If that's you, as they sing it, I want you to come. Right now, let's go. I have decided. Come on, let's put our hands together for people that want to make a choice for God. Come on. We're going to cheer these people on. No turning back. It's a new day. Come if you need to be here. 
Jesus, there's no one like you to meet us with mercy and power and to help us where we struggle. Lord, our determination is all we can come with. All we can come with is desire. Our willpower is not enough to change us or to set us free. So right now, we invite your grace and your power to bring freedom, to bring the kind of support needed to take steps in a new direction. We just surrender ourselves. We give ourselves to you, completely to you, to the awesome, beautiful, powerful life that you have for us. There's a dream in our heart. There's a purpose that's stirring in us. And nothing of the past is going to keep us from accomplishing what you've created us to do. Lord God, I celebrate victory today. I celebrate mercy that is greater than sin. I celebrate grace that's greater than anything. We give you all of the honor for what you have done in this place today. Meet people. Be with them. Let them consider your greatness and be empowered to walk in obedience. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. It's so great to be able to love people, to be able to help people, and that's what we're here to do for each one of these. And we'll just continue to let our, our prayer team be with each one of them. But I want Garrett and Emrys. I want you to come up here with me for a moment. back I heard about this young man that just had a love for God and a sense of responsibility and a call on his life and as I got to know Garrett then I got to know Emrys and it was back the Christmas of 2012 where they just attended our church it was soon after that Garrett and I talked and he he said man I, I've got I want to be involved in full-time ministry as a student at Oral Roberts University at that time. So not long after that, he became one of our interns. And this guy and his wife, Emrys, have just been a standard setter of servant leaders. I could see in Garrett that this is a guy we wanted on our staff full-time. And so on his graduation, we offered him a full-time position. And he's the kind of associate that has taken his position and his job description and has done it with excellence. And he's made it way more than what was on the page of expectation. It's gone the extra mile. Emrys, most every Sunday, all the great stuff you see on the screens, helping us worship and see videos. She's up in our production suite, serving, just giving her time to do all of that. Your life, your leadership, the favor of God on your life is amazing. They've accepted the position as lead worship pastors at an awesome church with an awesome pastor that I know very well in Niceville, Florida. And we want you to know how much we love you, how much we know God's going to use you. And their little girl, Indy, uh, like Kelly wrote to you, she may not remember much about this place, but you let her know that this is always a special place for her and for you guys. They have said... They consider this place like family. Well, we consider you as family, and we love you so much, and all the best to you in the future that God has for you. Praise God. Just stay right here. It's been an awesome day. I want you all to be blessed 
We can't wait to next week to meet again. Great ministries through the week. Take advantage of it. I love you. God bless you. Be strong. You're dismissed.